But yeah, let's jump into this. We're going to be in Revelation 21. So if you have your Bibles, um, go there. We're not going to, uh, when I say spend a lot of time there, uh, we're not going to go verse by verse. We're going to highlight a couple things from Revelation 21. But as we jump into this, I, I just want to uh, give you some insight into how the last couple of weeks have been going. Uh, Pastor Matt already uh, alluded to, and, and then uh, Lisa spoke into this about just the, the chaos that we just see around going on in our country and how it just continues to build, continues to uh, have different insights put out there and, and opinions. And I sat there the last couple of weeks just asking this question of God. It's like, okay, God, uh, we're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about eternity. We're going to talk about uh, New Jerusalem. We're going to look at what's going to happen when this all comes and, and, and is finished. And then the question I kept having was, how am I supposed to take this idea of what I was going to talk about? And at the same time, I don't want to stand up here and, and not speak at all into the things that are going on. I think that's one of the worst things that we do as, as you know, Christians sometimes, or even churches, uh, even as a pastor, you know, you, you kind of have this idea of, well, this is what I want to talk about. So we're just not going to pretend, we're just going to pretend like what's happening isn't happening. You get what I'm saying? I didn't want to get up here and be like, well, we're not going to pretend it's not happening because we had a purpose. Like the sermon was already laid out and that's what we're going to talk about. So I'm sitting here going for the last two weeks, God, how do we put these two things together? Um, it, it was just this constant conversation back and forth between God and I. Uh, and, and then he brought me to this passage of scripture. And I wanted to share it because I thought it was interesting. And what stinks is I didn't write this on my notes. So I'm going to have to turn to read it because we don't have a TV back there. But listen to what is being said here. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry. But you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Does that not sound like today? Anybody that ever says the Bible is not relevant <laughs> has never really read the Bible. I mean, do you hear the heart cry there? He's like, God, how long do we have to put up with this? How long do we have to watch this? The part that really got me is there at the end is this. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Right? Does that not sound like the, the world we're living in today? Is we see violence and we see destruction and we see misery and we see evil deeds. And, and what's interesting is, is when I was reading this to myself and then I was thinking about, you know, what this was going to look like in, in the sermon. Uh... As I'm reading that, I, I kind of chuckled to myself because every single one of us are going to read this or see this, and we're all going to come to a conclusion about who this is talking about, right? We're all going to have in our mind's eye, oh yeah, those people that I don't agree with, man, that's them, right? We, we instantly kind of have a camp that we fall into. It goes on. These are the next verses. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Again, does this not sound like our, our world today? This was the cry of the prophet. He's like, this is what I'm seeing, God. And go back to what he said at the beginning. How long, oh Lord, must I call for help? Can I answer that question for you? Until Jesus comes back. Because it's never going to change. It's never going to stop. There's never going to not be misery. There's always going to be evil deeds. There's always going to be people that want to argue and fight. There's always going to be destruction. There's always going to be violence. There's always going to be racism. This is never going to go away. 
And I'm not trying to say these things to say that we still shouldn't speak into it and we still shouldn't try to do what God has called us to do. But the reality is this is the, this is the world that we live in. How long, O oh Lord, is this going to be happening? Notice what God says right after that. The Lord replies, look around at the nations, look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. Do you hear this, this cool message that God is giving here to the prophet? And it's the same message to us. He's saying, listen, I hear what you're saying. Now I want you to open your eyes and I want you to pay attention. I want you to look at the nations. I want you to be amazed because I'm doing something that you've never seen before. And that's where I was wrestling with and kind of asking these questions. Okay, God, in our day, in our time, right here and now, what are you doing? And there are so many things that I know God is doing, but I'm going to give you two of them that I really nailed. Like, I was like, okay, God, you have to be doing these two things. If not, then this doesn't make sense to me. You have to be doing these two things. The first one is this. He's preparing the world for his return. We've just been going through this book of Revelation, and it's been great. And you kind of say, hey, Revelation, that's kind of scary. It's kind of interesting. Can, can I just... Stop for a moment and realize this. We are watching the Bible unfold in front of us. He's preparing us for his return. He's saying, notice, pay attention, see what's going on. You know, when we see these riots in the streets and we see violence and we see all these things happening, can I just stop for a moment and realize this? We were warned it's going to get worse before it gets better. So all of us that fall into this trap of like, God, would you just make it better? We're not listening to what the Bible's saying. The Bible's saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. And this is a reality that we as the church have to wake up to. And that's the second thing that I think God is doing. First, he's preparing the world for his return. Because, and I don't want to get into like this deep thing here, but just let me give you one example. The more we see the world united in causes, the more that we see the world in chaos, the more we see the world looking at the government for answers, the more we see things like this happening, it's just setting the stage for eventually a one world government, right? It's setting the stage for a leader to come along and say, I got all the answers, I'm going to bring peace. It's setting it up for the Antichrist to come in and say, I can take care of this. I'm not saying this to be like, it's going to happen tomorrow, but we got to pay attention, That everything that's playing out is just another piece in the will of God to bring the moment when the events of Revelation are going to transpire. And and so we got to wake up to that. What's happening is God is preparing the world for his return. The second is this. He's preparing the world for his return. And the second is this. He's waking his church up to get ready. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning is he's waking us up to get ready. Here's one of the things I want to speak into a little bit before we even get to Revelation 21. And I, I got to watch that clock because I haven't been up here for a while and it's easy to preach. <laughs> because it's awesome and good stuff. But church, we got to stop getting sucked into distractions. We're getting sucked into too many distractions. Pastor Matt spoke into it. And here's the deal. I'm not trying to say not to speak into the things that are happening in this world. I'm not trying to say that at all. But what I want to do is I want us to go one step further than just speaking into these distractions. Listen, racism will always be there. 
Violence will always be there. Mistreatment will always be there. Hatred will always be there. Division will always be there. Again, we need to speak into these things, but we don't speak into these things as the focal point. We speak into these things to then tell the world about Jesus. If we don't go the further and the next step to proclaim Jesus to the world, I don't care what you speak against. It's not good enough. Because what we're doing is we're falling into the same trap. We're falling into the same distraction as the Tower of Babel. Hear me just for a second about the distraction of the Tower of Babel. Go back to that story. Here's this city. Here's the people of the world gathered together. And their idea was, we are going to create the perfect society. That was the whole point of the tower. It's all about us. We're going to create the perfect society. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to be the ones that do this. Is, here, this is the distraction. We're falling into this trap where we're trying to say, hey, Human beings, we can end racism. No, you can't. Only the transforming power of God in your life can eradicate racism. Right? We're going to change the world. We're going to create the perfect society. We're going to create the change that needs to happen. We're going to create the utopia here on earth. That's what we're hearing is if we just pass the right laws, if we just have the right demonstrations, if we just change people's minds, we're going to create peace on earth. I've been hearing this ever since I was a little kid. And those of you that are my age and older, you've heard this too. Even the concept of peace in the Middle East, right? It's always that great statement. Let's have peace in the Middle East. Hear hear, hear me on this. I'm not opposed to that. I think it's great when human beings try to create peace. Peace. (laughs) The only way there's ever going to be peace in the Middle East is when the foot of Jesus steps back on this earth. (laughs) And he's like, you're done. It's this great desire, but we can't make it happen. And we're being distracted by it because we're falling into these, these ideas that we're going to change the world. The only thing that changes the world is Jesus. Remember Jesus' words. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Listen to me for just a second. This is the distraction that Satan wants us to fall into as a church. He wants us to try to eradicate things like racism. Again, let's speak against it. Let's stand against it. Let's demand difference. Let's demand change. I'm not saying anything against that. But here's the thing. You can go out there and you can say the world needs to change. But if you leave Jesus out of the equation, hey, great. Let's say you end racism. But if they still don't have Jesus... What's the matter? What does it matter if we end all violence in the world, but people still don't have Jesus? See, this is the distraction. Satan is trying to get us to fall into this temptation of let's create the perfect world. Let's create the perfect society. And it sounds great. And it sounds God focused. And it even sounds gospel focused. But if you leave Jesus out of the message, and if you take out the message of the gospel, it's for nothing. What's the point? See, there is no perfect society. There is no peace on this side of eternity. We as the church have to be the ones that understand that. While I would love to say that it's possible, it is not possible without Jesus. And in fact, once again, let's say it again all together and understand this. The closer we get to Christ's return, the worse it's going to get. 
Remember, this is what the Word says. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Again, hear me on this for a second, church. We can hear those words and we can start looking out on the world and saying how horrible the world is for acting this way, but I'm going to challenge us for a moment. That's in the church, too. That's in the church, too. Because, because the enemy wants to distract us on what's most important. He wants to divide people. He wants to get people angry at people. Here's the thing. I'm going to challenge this just for a moment. You can, and I'm the same way. So when I say these things, realize, you know how many, hear me on this. There are so many times I've been on Facebook this week where I'll see something on Facebook that I'm like, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I so bad want to share it. And then Jesus is like, stupid, don't do it. Because you're not bringing people to me. You're just wanting to stick it to somebody you don't agree with. And I'm like, ah, but I really want to stick it to them, Lord, because they're saying it the way I want to, like, I want to say that. Because if I, we get angry, right? We get frustrated. We say, oh, you shouldn't act that way. You shouldn't be like that. But what did Jesus call us to? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Bless those that do violence against you. Bless those that don't know me, right? Because I, you're my ambassador to them. If you want to get all hateful and unforgiving and you want to get angry and, and you just want to push them away, it was like yesterday. I can't remember for the life of me who this person was. So if, if it's you, real, seriously, if it's you, so sorry. But somebody on Facebook, I don't remember who it was, they posted something, their opinion about something, and then it said in the post, if you don't agree with me, just unfriend me. And I'm like, how stupid is that? Because you're giving them a reason not to allow you to speak into them. You're literally saying, if you don't like what I think, unfriend me. Say, wait, time out. We shouldn't be finding reasons to push people away. We should be finding reasons to like pull closer. And say, yeah, I know you don't agree with me and it makes you angry and you want nothing to do with me, but how am I supposed to speak into your life if I just tell you to walk away? And this is what's happened right now. Everybody's probably like, why? We haven't even got to Revelation 21 yet. We'll get there. I told Matt, I got like two separate sermons almost this morning. Two separate sermons. Here's the thing. Right now, our world is full of opinion, but very little knowledge. Hear me on this. Yeah, this is true for me too. We have to be careful not to fall into the temptation to be full of opinion and not knowledge. And some of us are like, I know what I know. No, you know what you think. Because there was only one thing that I know. I know this. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised up from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. That's what I know. Everything else is what I think. And, and while what I think might be rooted in truth, it's still what I think. We need to stop just focusing on our opinions. And we need to start proclaiming what we know. And as Christians, this is what we know. The Bible says, I know whom I have believed in. Listen, I know that salvation is only through Jesus Christ. That's it. 
That's what I know. That's what the world needs proclaimed. And again, that's not to try to say don't share what you think. I'm not trying to say that. But you share what you think, you, you share what you think in such a way that it gives you the ability to then share what you know. And if you share what you think in such a way that it makes it that the doors close for you not, for you not to be able to share what you know, you're doing it wrong. We share what we think so that we can share what we know. And what we know and who we know is Jesus. This is the the opportunity where God is saying, wake up, church. I'm preparing the world for my return. I need to wake you up in order for you to get ready. So now let's talk a little bit about Revelation 21. That was the introduction. (laughs) Jesus said this. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be be where I am. Revelation chapter 21 is when God gives us the, he peels back the curtain, so to speak. He gives us the vision of what that place is. When Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, he was actually talking about a literal physical place. And there's going to come a moment when all of this is finished, when, when that place, this place called New Jerusalem is going to descend out of heaven and it's going to descend upon the earth and that's the picture that we get in Revelation 21 is I go to prepare a place for you now as I was thinking about this and again we're not going to go detail by detail into chapter 21 if you've read it great we'll talk about some things I'm not going to focus on in the podcast But I go back to that question, what is God doing in our time? And I said, he's waking his church up. So if he's waking his church up, can I say one of the ways ways he's waking us up, church, is he's getting us to focus more on eternity than on the temporary. Right? I can give my entire self to try to build the best life here I possibly can, but the problem is I'm not meant for here for very long. And I can waste all my time, and I can waste all my energy, and I can waste all my resources into this life. Where Jesus was like, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. Store up treasures for yourself in the place that I'm preparing for you. And again, this is what I'm trying to say about what we're seeing in our world today because a lot of the frustration that we we fall into and a lot of frustration I fall into is because I look at what's happening and I get frustrated like, man, you're jacking up my life. Knock it off. Like you're giving me anxiety or stress or you're making me angry or you're, you're making my existence here on this earth. It's not peaceful. And Jesus has been telling me, he's like, when did I ever promise you peace? When did I ever promise you comfort? When did I ever promise you the utopia? in this life. In fact, I told you the complete opposite. You're going to be in some hardships. You're going to be in some persecutions. You're going to be in some places you don't want to be. Jesus is like, that's where I'm putting you. Again, church, can I, can I share this with us? That he's preparing us for his return. And his return, he told us, the world is not going to like you and you're not going to like the world. You're not going to like what's going on. He's preparing us. And here's the thing. I don't think I can live this life. And don't get me wrong, Jesus can, you know, he'll strengthen me. And one of the things Jesus said, though, in the scriptures say is, he's like, if you want to get through this life and you want to be an overcomer in this life, one of the ways that you do that is you stop focusing on this life. You focus on the life to come. 
And, and that's why he gave us this beautiful picture in Revelation 21. He's saying, take your eyes off of the here and now and put your eyes on eternity. Get your eyes focused on what's to come. That's what he's preparing us. He's saying, get your eyes off this and look at the place I'm preparing for you. So he's preparing for us a place, and we need to stop, start focusing on it, and we need to start preparing ourselves for that place. So I just have three things we're going to go through real quick on how when we focus on New Jerusalem, we focus on what's to come, how that should be, par- be preparing us here and now. First one is this. We are told, whoop, go back. We are told right off the bat that God, once this is all done, judgment is done, everything's finished, uh, Satan's been vanquished, uh, the judgment seat has happened, everyone's been judged for their deeds, uh, people people have been cast out of the presence of God into hell. This is when we hit 21. And he tells us there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. One of the things I want us to understand about this new heaven and new earth is God's not going to fix this this earth. He's going to make it brand new. Like, this is important. Because we keep looking at the world around us like, God, fix it. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to fix it. I'm going to to make it new. Like, I'm going to take what this is and I'm going to wipe the slate clean. (laughs) And I'm going to make it brand new. This is important. It's Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Why is this important for us? Why is this preparing us for Christ's return? Well, first, is, basically it's this. He's challenging us and he's encouraging us and he's telling us, you got to start letting go of this place because you're not taking it with you. Right? Like everything that you value in this world. Can I just think about this for a moment? Everything you value in this world that is extremely important to you, the only thing from this earth that is even possible into going into the next earth is the people that know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Nothing else is going with you. Nothing. Only people. That's it. Only people. Only people get to go from this earth to the next. That means, like, all the things that we prioritize as extremely important that we can't lose. It's gone. See you later. And so what I mean by this is just to stop and think about this. this is, again, this is not trying to speak against uh, having nice things or focusing on good things in this world. But just, just hear me for a moment on this and really think about this. If we truly believe that the end is coming sooner rather than later, maybe we would stop wasting so much time on things of this world when Jesus is asking us to spend some time trying to get more people into heaven. It's like when Jesus comes along and says, hey, I need you to go across the street and invite your neighbor over for supper, and I want you to just start building that relationship with them. I need you to do that tonight. And you say, yeah, oh, yeah, God, but see, we had this really good plan about landscaping the front of the house because we want to look really pretty. And, 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 you know, or, or God, yeah, that, that's cool, but, you know, I had this plan of, you know, we were going to go out tonight. It's been a long week. And, and, and you know, there's this new restaurant. I want to go try it out. And see, here's the thing. Again, while those things are not necessarily wrong, when Jesus comes and says, hey, I need you to invest in people because people are the only thing that you're taking with you, maybe we need to start asking the questions, hey, am I focusing too much on this world that eventually is going to be gone? I've wrestled with this before, um, and I'm not putting this on anybody else. I'm going to put it on me. This is totally me. I've, I've wrestled with this before because there's been moments where, you know, I'm saving up for things. <laughs> Saving's a good thing. 
You ever done this? Saving up for things? And then God says, hey, <laughs> you know that stuff you've been saving up for? <laughs> Give it to them. It's like, but God, seriously, I've been saving. Like I had a plan. I was doing this the right way. He's like, yeah, but I'm trying to get them into eternity with you. Right? There's a new heaven and new earth. It's all going to get wiped out. It's going to be gone, right? It's going to be gone. Now, one of the things I want to encourage you with just for a moment is because some of us might be saying, man, but that really stinks because I have some, I mean, I want to experience things in this life. I I don't want to sacrifice all the time, and I get that. Hear me on this. I get that. But hear hear me just for a moment. Don't you think God has the ability in eternity to redeem back to you the opportunities that you gave up for him in this life, and they're going to be so much cooler in eternity than they ever would be here? Right? Don't you think God can say, you know what? You were willing to sacrifice that, that opportunity to be able to be about my gospel and to be about my mission and to bring people into eternity with me. Man, I'm going to redeem that back for you. I got all eternity to redeem that back. I will give you experiences that you can't even believe. I will give you opportunities you can't even believe. Right? Like, you don't think God can say, listen, I get it. Everything in you wanted to take that vacation down to the beach. You wanted to kick back on the blue, you know, that, that nice blue, or that sand and that nice blue water. You wanted to go do that. But I called on you to do something different. I called you to go do a mission trip somewhere. I called you to go bring the gospel to people. Don't you think that God sometime in eternity can say, hey, guess what? You remember that time you gave that up for me? Why don't you go spend a million years on this beach I created just for you? And why don't you go enjoy that? And I'm here to tell you, you can take the most beautiful beach in this world that's broken and fallen, and it won't compare to the most beautiful beach that God's going to create in the next. I hope we understand that. New heaven and new earth. Heaven is not going to be us floating around on clouds, strumming our harps, all bored all day long. He's going to redeem back the things that we missed out on by serving him. I truly believe that. And that's what he's telling us. He's like, listen, I have all of eternity to redeem back to you experiences that you missed out here on earth. Let's get ready for the new heaven and new earth that he gives us. The second one is this. He then talks about the dwelling of God is with men. This is a beautiful picture. The next thing that that John tells us is that this new heaven or the new Jerusalem comes down and, and God says this. He says, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And here's the thing. We can read that and miss over the significance of this. Here's the significance. This has never happened in the entirety of mankind. See, this wasn't even true for Adam and Eve. God did not dwell with Adam and Eve. He created them. Yes, he visited with them. He walked with them. He interacted with them. But God never dwelt with Adam and Eve. Because of the fall and because of redemption and because of God pouring himself into us and redeeming us and adopting us as children, when this is all said and done, we're not just going to be in heaven. God's going to make his dwelling place with us. That's the whole point of New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and resting on earth. 
See, what's interesting, if you, anybody that's read this, if any of you haven't read this, this, this is going to sound trippy as all get out. Like, New Jerusalem, <laughs> it's a cube. Right? John says it's a cube. It's 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, and it's 1,400 miles high. Right? It's weird sounding. This cube coming out of heaven. It's like straight out of, you know, what was that old? V. Straight out of the show V. Anybody remember V? Loved V. V was a great show. But it's straight out of this weird, like, alien thing coming down out of the sky and resting here. It's like straight up Independence Day. You know? But here's the significance of this cube. If you go back to the Old Testament, when God gave them the dimensions for the tabernacle, and he gave them the dimensions for the temple, the Holy of Holies, the dwelling place of God, the place where God's presence rested on earth, was told to be a perfect cube. The measurements were exact. So this is an imagery here, and this is a picture and a revelation that God is going to bring his very throne out of heaven, and he's going to join it with earth for all eternity. There's not going to be a heaven and earth. It's going to be heaven and earth joined together for all of eternity. God's dwelling place will be with man. See, here's one of the things that's exciting about this. And when you think about this and you, and you look at Revelation 21 and, 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 you, and you look at how God speaks into how he's going to be here with us. And here was a, a quote that I thought was really interesting. For the Christian, heaven is where Jesus is. We do not need to speculate on what heaven will be like. It's enough to know that we will be forever with him. Can, can I ask the question, is that true for us? See, we spend all our time wanting to answer questions. It's like, well, what's it going to look like? What's it going to be like? Where's the streets of gold going to be? Where's the, you know, the sea of crystal going to be like? Am I going to get to do this? And am I get to do that? You know, we have all these questions about heaven. Christian, stop. Who cares? Is it not enough that Jesus is going to be there? And is it not enough that we get to be with him forever? You know, the reason heaven is heaven is not because of all the things that God gives to us. Heaven is heaven because that's where God is. That's why it's called heaven. That's why we should desire to be there. But why should this, or what should the motivation be for us when it comes to the dwelling place with God? Well, here's the thing. When I think about this, if my dwelling place is going to be with God for all of eternity, if I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus, if I'm going to see Jesus, then I better be, get, get ready for Jesus. So what I mean by that is, let, anybody here, if you have, you know, let's go back to maybe dating. I don't know how much this happens with married life. This doesn't happen for me with married life. But dating was different, right? You know, the date was coming. So my, you know, my wife-to-be, she used to get a little bit, you know, like, hey, I'm getting ready for the date. Because I know he's coming. I want to be ready. I want to look good. Church, one of the things God's telling us to do is he's saying, hey, I'm the bridegroom and I'm coming for my bride. My bride better be getting ready. And the way we get ready is we pursue righteousness and holiness. It's like, Lord, I'm going to get cleaned up for you. I'm going to be ready for you. I'm going to do everything that I can to be ready for you. Will I be perfect? No, because the only way I'm going to be perfect is you're going to make me perfect. But I'm still going to do everything I possibly can to get ready for you. I am pursuing righteousness and I'm pursuing holiness. Why is this important? Because John tells us this when talking about New Jerusalem. Nothing impure will ever enter into it. 
So hear me for a second. If we start focusing on eternity, and that means God is going to eradicate all impurity before we get to come in, why are we disrespecting him so much when we pursue and chase after impurity in this life? And it's like, God, if I love you and I know that the, the goal of this is to make me perfect and the goal of this is to eradicate all impurity, then God, I'm going to do everything that I can do to get that stuff out of my life. I'm going to pursue righteousness and I'm going to pursue holiness because I love you. And I'm getting ready for you. Church, he's calling us to get ready and he's saying, hey, your dwelling place is going to be with me, so get yourself ready. Get this stuff out of your life that brings impurity. Get this stuff out of your life that brings sin and darkness and it defiles you. And can I challenge us for a moment looking again at the things that are going on in our world? One of the things that's defiling us the most is our anger and hatred towards people that we don't agree with. Hear me for a minute, church, because I have to wrestle with this every day. I see things that just frustrate me, and it makes me want to hate people, and it makes me want to be angry at people, and it makes me want to say things like, you're getting what you deserve. Listen, church, if that's our stance, be careful, because Jesus said, don't make me give you what you deserve. And I know this might be hard-hitting, but it's just the way it needs to be. He's preparing us. He's getting us ready. Here's the last one. John shows us and, he, and he, he presents to us that glory will be revealed in the New Jerusalem. Notice what it says. It says, uh, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is the lamp. The nations will b- walk by his light. Real simple, we're going to, one statement to just sum this one up. Simply this. Can we honestly say, and this is just a question to honestly ask yourself, because I have to, every day I'm asking myself this, and I fail miserably way too often. Every day of your life is your number one priority in everything you do, in everything you think, in everything you say, is your number one priority to bring glory to God. Because that's the priority that he calls us to. Because New Jerusalem is not about us, it's about him, it's about his glory. It's about his glory being revealed. And the beauty of this is he wants to reveal his glory, not just in the future. He wants to reveal his glory in your life today. But the only way that happens is when we say, Lord, my number one priority is to bring you glory. Meaning it's not about me. It's never about me. Lord, That makes me so angry and so upset, but Lord, it's about your glory, and I want to present the glory of Jesus Christ and the message and the the beautiful mission of Jesus. That's the priority. I'm going to hold my attitude and my tongue in check because it's all about your glory. Lord, God, I so want to do this over here. This is temptation, this sin. It makes me feel good. I'm stressed out, but this makes me feel good for a moment. This is part of my life, and it just... Lord, let's just overlook this one. But no, Lord, I'm not going to do that because it's all about your glory. It's all about you and your glory. Hear me just for a moment as we close this. God is waking us up and he's calling us to the same mission as John the Baptist. 
Hopefully we all remember or you know the message or, or the mission of John the Baptist, but in case you're not familiar with it or you just don't have a clear understanding of that, it simply says this, I will send my messenger ahead of you, talking about ahead of Christ, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Church, listen. John had that, that mission for the first coming of Jesus. You and I have that mission for this coming of Jesus. It is our responsibility to be the voice in the desert, calling out and preparing the way for the Lord. How do we do that? I've shared this quote before, but it always hits hard to me anytime I think about this. If you've never seen it, I hope this hits you hard right between the eyes because it does me every time I read it. If you have seen it or heard this before, hopefully it convicts you. But Spurgeon said this, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. Do you hear the heart of a person that says, Lord, my focus is on eternity, and I'm ready and I'm working, and I'm serving, and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to try to bring as many people with me. Lord, when the time comes for me to step into New Jerusalem, I'm going to know that I did everything I possibly could. Lord, I didn't get sucked into the distractions. I didn't get sucked into the way the world was. I didn't get sucked into hatred. I didn't get sucked into anger. I got sucked into grace mercy, love, and the gospel. And I shared it with as many people as I possibly could. And I made sure that nothing I did intentionally drove people away from you. But I made sure that intentionally I did everything I possibly could to draw people to Jesus. Man, it's a high calling, but that's what being a Christian is. It's a high calling. And it comes with amazing reward. And that's the whole point of New Jerusalem. This is my last statement, and then we'll get ready for communion. May the reality of someday be what determines the outcome of today. Simply meeting this, when we really start living in the reality of someday, that someday when we are going to be ushered into the presence of Jesus, that someday when he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, that someday when he's going to say, here is the new Jerusalem created for you, full of my glory and given to you as an eternal reward where I'm going to pour out everything you will ever need and you will be 100% satisfied. May the reality of someday that there will be those that are separated from Jesus for all eternity. May the reality of someday when John tells us that when the new city comes down, there will be gates and they will always be open. But he says flat out, no impure thing will ever come into this. No person of wickedness will ever come into this place. May the reality of someday be the thing that determines the outcome of today. Meaning, it should be the thing that motivates the actions of our life right here and now. That should be our desire and our prayer. Lord, may the reality of this someday be the thing that motivates me to live completely for you today. And he promises to strengthen us and to equip us and to empower us to do it.
So as we shift and we, and we partake of communion, go ahead and get your communion cup ready. And I'm going to encourage you, be careful opening it. Because you might get splashed back. But here's the thing. Actually, we put that back up. I got one more. I appreciate you trying to jump ahead, but here's the, here's the, the last encouragement I want to give us as we partake of communion um, in, in, in relation to New Jerusalem. Jesus said this, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. One of the reasons we partake of communion is we remember what Jesus did for us. He said, do this in remembrance of me. But Jesus also set the precedent. He's saying, listen, it's not just about you doing this in remembrance of me. You're doing this in what I did for you, but you're also doing this to remind yourself of what's coming. And what's coming is my Father's kingdom. And what's coming is the new Jerusalem. And what's coming is we're going to partake together with Jesus in the Lord's table someday. So this morning as we partake, I encourage us, let's look back and remember what Jesus did for us. Let's celebrate that. Let's honor that. Let's cry out to him. If there's things you need to deal with with Jesus, then fall upon the grace of Christ when it comes to the communion table. Let's remember. But church, if you have his grace and forgiveness, man, your heart, I hope, is full of celebration this morning because there's going to come a day when you're going to experience the blessings and the fullness of New Jerusalem. And you are going to be in the presence of God forever. And this is reminding us of that. Because it's by his blood and it's by his body that we get that promise. Let's just take a moment and pray together and prepare our hearts to partake. Lord Jesus, where we're at right now as I'm praying this, I I just encourage us to be offering our own prayer to you. That our eyes would be open to your love and your mercy and your grace this morning. Lord, that our hearts truly are full of joy. Lord, even if there's something in our lives right now that's separating us from you, that's keeping us distant from you, Lord, there's things that we know that you're telling us, get that out of your life. Pursue righteousness and pursue holiness. Lord, I pray that there's still that joy because you're speaking to us. You're, you're calling out to us. You're drawing us to yourself. You're saying, come and, and partake of the forgiveness and the power that I want to pour into your life. And I want to change you from the inside out. Lord, let us be full of joy this morning. As we feel your presence and we hear you speak to us and you draw us near and we remember the love that you have for us, the love that sent you to the cross, the love that was poured out while you suffered on that cross. Lord, that love was poured out in the form of wrath. Your word says that the entirety of the Father's wrath was poured out upon you, Lord, but that was, that was pouring out love because you knew that wrath had to be dealt with. And it was your love for us that you took every drop of it so that we never have to experience any of it. Lord Jesus, May your spirit be here this morning and just speak that truth to us deep down into our souls and our spirits that you love us that much. And as we partake, may your grace flow out into us. May the grace of God abound in this place for your glory and for your church. We give you praise in all of it. In your name we pray. Amen.